Well, good morning, everyone, and good morning to those who are visiting us today. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Michael Risk. I'm one of the pastors here at Cornerstone Presbyterian Church. Uh, for many here who have gathered today, uh, we've heard from Derek that this has been a very interesting week. Uh, many in our church have, um, well, not many, but a good few have come down with COVID or in isolation. Uh, Mark, one of our pastors here and the teaching elder here at Cornerstone, uh, was meant to be preaching here today uh, before he went into isolation on Wednesday. And at 3 p.m. on Wednesday, I started today's sermon. So I need to be upfront. I need to say that this sermon is not entirely my own. Uh, I'm not reading out Mark's sermon notes or anything. Uh, but some of the direction that is taken um, is from Mark's sermon notes. And so I want to give credit and thanks to Mark for his notes, uh, for they have helped me in preparing today's message that we will now have. Uh, today we are continuing our series on the seven sayings that Jesus says from the cross. So today we'll be looking at John chapter 19, verse 28 to 29. So could you please open up your Bibles, or if you have our church newsletter, our corner post, it can be found there. John 19 verse 28 to 29, and this is God's word. Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, and so they soaked a sponge in it, and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to your word this morning, our Father, we pray that you would be with us. Our Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today is Good Friday. It's on this day every year that we Christians, we stop and remember the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus that he was nailed to a Roman cross. Not because of something he had done. Jesus had done no wrong. He was on that cross because of something we had done. He went to that cross for us. He died on that cross for you. He died on that cross for me. He died on that cross that we might have eternal life. And it's for this reason that we call this day, Good Friday, good. Because it was good, the good work that Jesus had done for us. On the cross, sin and death was defeated. And life was given to all those who believe. If you've been with us over the last several weeks, we have been looking at the seven sayings that Jesus had said while he was on the cross. And these words which Jesus says are measured words, carefully chosen words said by our Lord and Savior. These words point to why Jesus came. These words tell us why Jesus is on that cross. And we're told here in verse 28 that knowing that everything that Jesus had to do had been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, 
Jesus said these words. I am thirsty. Uh, Don Carson in his commentary uh, says this. A man scourged, bleeding, and hanging on a cross under the near eastern sun would be desperately dehydrated. And as Jesus hangs on that cross, he would have been dehydrated. Uh, But these words are not said because of his thirst. Uh, He said these words so that God's saving purposes would be achieved. Uh, Jesus right here plays an active role in God's redemptive plans. Uh, God has always played an active role. He's always taken an active role within his redemptive plans. But the greatest act of redemption, the greatest act of God saving his people is done right here on the cross. So Jesus says, I am thirsty. I am, I am thirsty, not for his thirst, but for our thirst. He thirsts on that cross so that our thirst may be quenched. He thirsts on that cross that we may have eternal life. He thirsts on that cross so that Scripture may be fulfilled. Today from our passage, we're going to look at two things together. We're going to look at two things. First, on the cross, Jesus Jesus fulfills the salvation plans of Scripture. And then second, on the cross, Jesus gives living water to the thirsty. Let's have a look at our text together in full, where it says, Later, knowing that everything had been finished, and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And we ask, what scripture is being fulfilled? Well, it's here we turn to our Old Testament reading, which Brigitte read out for us from Psalm 69. In John's Gospel, this is the third time that this psalm appears. And our passage here is making specific reference to verse 21 that they gave him vinegar for his thirst. Now, that's a bit strange. Is Jesus just fulfilling what is said here in Psalm 69? Or is there more to the story? Our friends, to really understand what is happening here on the cross, we need to take a step back. And we need to see what Scripture is really being fulfilled. As Jesus says these words, I am thirsty. Jesus thirsts. He suffers so that God's salvation plans through the cross would be accomplished. As we look at Scripture, there is a problem laid out before us. And one of those problems is that we are thirsty. Uh, The Westminster Shorter Catechism starts with this question. Uh, What is the chief end of man? Answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Uh, But the problem is we naturally don't do this. Uh, We naturally don't want to do this. 
Are we naturally look for other things to enjoy, other things that will quench our thirst rather than God? Are things that will appear good, but in many ways will still make us thirsty? As Nathaniel did the children's talk, uh, he asked, he talked about different types of drinks, and he asked the children, which one would you drink if you were thirsty? The first one, the second one, or the third one? Uh, we saw the third one got a, um, a zero out of ten, so probably not that one. Uh, but there are different types of drinks that will quench our thirst, and, different, and other drinks that will actually dehydrate us. Uh, if we're thirsty, water is always a good choice. But other drinks like coffee or alcohol or soft drinks, uh, they will actually take water away from our body rather than replenishing it. And we fall into this trap all the time, searching for things, thinking that they will quench our thirst, but really, they don't. And let me just give one example from Scripture to highlight this. Uh, from Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, I'm going to read that out for us. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13 where the Lord says through his prophet, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Uh, what, what had the people done? Well, they had rejected God. And they had started following other gods, idols, and Jeremiah communicates that this problem is a problem that exists in every human heart. And the problem is that we look for other things rather than God to quench our thirst. We look to the things of this world to do that. And by looking to the things of this world, we are told that we will be left thirsty. To look to the things of this world will be like drinking from a broken jar. It just doesn't work. So scripture warns us that the things of this world will not quench our thirst. Only God can. Uh, in the lead up to today's sermon, Mark and I were talking about this passage. And as we talked, I recalled Psalm 73. Uh, psalm 73 is a psalm of Asaph and it speaks of Asaph's feet almost slipping. Slipping because he is envying those around him. He looks at what they have and he wants it. He thinks that what they have will satisfy his yearnings and his desires. He thinks that they will satisfy him rather than God. And so often, so often we can fall into this trap of looking to those around us, seeing what they have, being dissatisfied with our lot, thinking to ourselves, if only I had what they had. If only I had what they had, then I would be happier. Then I would be satisfied. So like the Jews in Jeremiah's day, we too can fall into the trap of wanting to quench our thirst with the things of this world. So here is the problem. Here is the problem. That we want to find satisfaction in the things of this world rather than God. But God has a solution to the problem. And Scripture speaks of a promise, a promise that will satisfy our thirst. I want to bring up one example from Scripture to highlight this. Isaiah 55, verse 1 and 2. 
which says, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. These verses from Isaiah are a promise of God's plan to provide drink to those who are thirsty. It is a promise of one who will come to quench and satisfy our thirst. And this promise, it points to Jesus. It is in Jesus that living water, life-quenching water is found. Uh, Throughout the Gospel of John, there are many repeated themes. Uh, There's light and darkness, that's a big one. Uh, Life and death is another. And another recurring theme is that of bread and water, that Jesus came to satisfy the hungry and the thirsty. Uh, Let me give a few examples from the Gospel of John. Uh, If you have your Bibles there with you, please turn to John chapter 4, verse 13. Uh, This is the first example I want to speak to. Uh, It's Jesus' interaction with the woman at the well. And in this interaction, Jesus comes to the Samaritan woman who has come to the well for water. And Jesus comes to her speaking about water that will satisfy her thirst, living water. John 4 verse 13, Jesus says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. He's referring to the well. But But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And do you see what's happened here? Jesus is showing us that He is the solution to our great problem, that we are thirsty. And right here, Jesus gives so much more than just water to the believer. For he just doesn't meet our needs of thirst. Uh, For the Old Testament saints had that already. They had God, but they rejected him. Their foot slipped, and they pursued after other things, idols and other gods, other things of this world. But do you see what Jesus does here? He not only quenches our thirst, but the water he gives will become in them a spring of water welling up inside them. Uh, John explains in chapter 7, verse 39, that these springs are referring to the giving of the Holy Spirit to those who believe. That through the work of the Holy Spirit, a Jesus would dwell within us. Jesus would transform us from the inside out. That by Jesus dwelling in us, we would see, we would know that it's Him that is living water, the only water that can satisfy. Our friends, what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing that Jesus does for those who are thirsty. And not only does He promise that He will 
provide for every thirst, he also promises that he will provide for every hunger. If you have your Bible still open up in front of you, please turn with me to John 6, verse 35. John 6, verse 35, which says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What John is saying is that every hunger, every thirst, every satisfaction can be found in Jesus. Jesus is the solution to the problem of our thirst. In Jesus, living water is found. And we ask, where is this given? Where is this given? Where is living water given to God's people? Well, it's given on the cross. Through this great act done by Jesus on the cross. And that's why we're here today. Today we remember how our Lord, some 2,000 years ago, was crucified. So that streams of living water, we would be given streams of living water welling up inside us to eternal life. And on that cross, that's why he cries out, I am thirsty. This is why he's on the cross. He thirsts so that we may no longer be thirsty. He thirsts so that we may have life. He is on that cross so that we may have life and life to the full. So what does Jesus say to those who are thirsty? Well, he says, come. Come. Jesus has revealed to each of us that every hunger and every thirst can be satisfied in Him. So He says to us, Come. John 6.35 Whoever comes to Me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in Me will never be thirsty. And then John 7.37-38 Let anyone who is thirsty come. Come to Me and drink. Whoever believes in Me As Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. If you're here today, if you've been trying to find satisfaction in the things of this world, in your career, in your family, in relationships, in friendships, in experiences, in holidays, or perhaps even movies, and it's become painfully clear that none of these have worked. No matter how many experiences you've tried, you are still feeling empty. You are still left wanting, still left thirsty. Jesus has said to each of us, each of us who are thirsty, each of us who feel like this, He says to us, come. The invitation is there. So will this day, will we come to Jesus? Will you come and see and take hold of the good work that Jesus has done on that cross? The good work given to His people so that we may have life. My friends, some of us need to hear this invitation, this invitation to come. But perhaps some of us are here who have come to church here today and we are also feeling empty. And what we need to hear is the reminder to come back. 
Because cognitively, in our heads, we know that all our needs will be met in Jesus. Every thirst and hunger is met in Him. But today, we have come here today feeling run down. We have come today to church feeling thirsty. We have come to church perhaps looking for relief. But perhaps we have forgotten to come to the living waters, to come to Jesus. We have come today feeling our feet slipping, having been enticed, envying those around us. As the psalmist Asaph in Psalm 73 realized as his foot almost slipped, he says it troubled him deeply. Then he realized as he entered the Lord's sanctuary, this life is not the end. This is what he says. Let me read some of the verses he says for us. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by the right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of your good deeds. Perhaps you've come to church feeling empty. And you need to be reminded that there is nothing on earth worth desiring. No holiday. No earthly relationship could satisfy as much as the Lord can. He is our portion. He is our inheritance. As the psalmist said, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you take me into glory. Our satisfaction is not found in earthly things. It's found in Jesus. It's found in living water. Perhaps you're here today and you need to be reminded, as your foot almost slips, that satisfaction needs to be found in living water, in Jesus. So the reminder for us is to go back. Go back to the springs of living water. And there's also something else that needs to be said from this passage. There's something else that needs to be said from John chapter 19, verse 28 and 29. That Jesus doesn't just thirst so that we are no longer thirsty. Uh, these springs of living water are not just for now, but they also point to what is to come. They are springs of water given to us, welling up inside us to eternal life. Uh, Jesus is on that cross. He cries out, I am thirsty. 
Not only to quench our thirst now, but all, and not just to give us life now, but on that cross, he defeats sin and death so that we might have eternal life. As Nathaniel said during his children's talk, Jesus became thirsty so that we might have everlasting life, that we might have eternal life. That is why Jesus is on the cross. He's on the cross that we may no longer thirst, that every satisfaction can be found on him. He is on that cross that we might have life and life to the full. If you have your Bibles open in front of you, please turn with me to Revelation 22, uh, verse 1 to 5. I want to read that out for us. Revelation 22, verse 1 to 5. At this point in Revelation, Jesus has returned and he made all things new. And we are now standing, his people, in, the pres in his presence, in glory. And in his presence, every thirst is quenched. Revelation 22, verse 1 to 5. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Our Jesus became thirsty on that cross, so that we might have eternal life. And then here also at the end of Revelation, the invitation to come is given to us once more. If you're still there at Revelation 22, have a look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Are you here today? Are you thirsty? The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Come and have your thirst and hunger quenched in Jesus. Uh, to the Christian, keep coming back to the springs of living water that are found in Jesus. And church, please also take notice. Take notice of what verse 17 also says. It says, we are the bride who says, come. We who have received this message, this invitation, is something that we need to invite others to share in. Uh, this Good Friday message of what Jesus has done on the cross, it's not just a message for us. It's not just a message we need to respond and to be reminded of. It's a message we need to share with others. And the Good Friday message is for the Christian, but it's also for the one who is thirsty. It's a message for those who are needing forgiveness. It's a message for those who are needing rest. It's a message for those who are needing deliverance. It's a message of those needing salvation. It's a message for those needing reconciliation. It's a message for those who are empty 
and need to be filled with living water. So Jesus went to the cross to fulfill Scripture. He went to the cross. He thirsted on that cross so that we might have life. He went to the cross so that we might have eternal life. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for today. We thank you for Good Friday where we can uh, particularly remember uh, what you had done for us on the cross. Lord, that through this great work, uh, we have been reconciled, we have been delivered, we have been given life. Uh, through this great work on the cross, streams of living water flow within us. Every thirst is quenched, and the promise of every thirst being quenched is found in Jesus. Uh, Father, we pray, help us to know this, especially so often we forget. Help us to keep coming back to those streams of living water. And Father, I pray for those here today who have not yet come. Father, Lord, that as the invitation is before them, that we would hear that invitation and that you would help us to respond by your Spirit. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, musicians.